welcome. Um, I don't know about you, but I thought that was a great set. I mean, isn't that the message of the church? I mean, over and over again, that we are loved and that there is no one like the Lord. I just be able to sing that a few times, let it sink in. Because that's, that's why we're here. We're here because we were first loved by a God who loves us unconditionally with a love that we can never be separated from. I think it's a great lead-in for our message today, which is we're looking at childlike faith as we begin our, our series on adulting that's based in Ephesians, or bouncing around in Ephesians, however you want to see that. And so today we're going to read, look at five passages that, that deal with or have the, the term love, I mean love, but also children of God in it. Then we're going to look a little, and we'll do this as a group, what is childlike and what is childish? Because they're very different. And I think as adults, we tend toward childishness rather than childlikeness. So to be able to name those can be helpful as we go forward. It's like, oh, that is very childish. That's very childlike. And then we're going together enter into a experiential, whole body, childlike experience. <laughs> so we'll see what that means, but um, wait for it. So let's pray. God, we thank you for love. A love that surrounds us, a love that indwells us love that reminds us who we are and whose we are, where we belong to you, a God of love. As we make our way through this morning, we trust that you will continue to open our hearts to your word, to your spirit, to one another in this room. For we are here to hear from you, to receive from you, that we may walk with greater freedom. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Last time I spoke, if you were here, I spoke a long time. Like I sent my son the message, he goes, you spoke that long? And I looked at us, oh my goodness, I apologize to Andy, um, but he was gracious. So, Hopefully it will not be as long as last time. First, so here's the first passage I want to look at. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. So again, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples saying, this is, there's these children who are coming and he say, this is what you need to be like. And that's sort of our, our jumping off point, at least this morning. And I was thinking about this, and what is childlikeness in this context? Because it's key to entering the kingdom of God. And so I, think, I thought of two things. One is lack of self-consciousness. A lot of times as adults, we're, we're playing to an audience, imagined or not, and wondering how they're going to, to respond to whatever it is we're doing. And so there's this, this self-consciousness that we carry with us that actually hinders us sometimes from being who God created us to be, saying what we believe God has, would want us to say. And then also kids aren't sophisticated. And what I mean by sophisticated, I mean they don't care about status, privilege, or superiority. 
They're just kids who like to have fun, like to dance, like to sing, like to climb, like to to have adventures. I think sometimes we lose that. And yet, it's interesting as I was reflecting on this, isn't this really restating in a little different way the first of the Beatitudes, which we studied almost a year ago, I guess. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of God. Isn't that interesting? You must become childlike to enter the kingdom of God. Blessed are for the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. There's this, this sense of, as adults, we can take ourselves too seriously. Kids don't tend to do that. They're in the moment. And they're embracing life in the moment. And so as, as we become childlike, there's a sense of, of freedom that comes with that. And it's the freedom to experience that all that is in the kingdom for us. It's not a way to get into the kingdom. I need to be childlike to be in the kingdom. No, as we're childlike, which is the work of God within our hearts, then we embrace all that the kingdom has to offer because we want it. We don't need it. We don't need our own strength. We don't need our, our own skills. We don't need those things. We need God. And children, children do that. They trust. Next verse from Ephesians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, which is a great phrase, every spiritual blessing God's given us in Christ. For he chose us. So how many of you are chosen by God? Raise your hand. Okay. No, you are, Alicia. Tammy, you are too. All right. No, all of us chose before the beginning of time. I don't even know what that means, but it's so cool that somehow God knew us before we were and, and chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And this is, this is describing an identity. He chose us to be holy and blameless, not to become holy and blameless. Not, this is not some kind of self-improvement. Okay, I've chosen you, Hamilton. Now you need to be holy and blameless. Like, no, I've chosen you. You are holy and blameless. That's our identity. That's an identity piece. It's not a, it's not a prescription. It's a description of who we are as those chosen by God because of the work that God's done within us. That's why we're called born again. Something radical has happened. Paul calls us new creations because it's, we have got a new heart. The heart it talks about in Ezekiel, the heart of flesh. The heart it talks about at the end of Jeremiah, the, the heart where the spirit has written the law upon our hearts. And so we're this new creation, holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption the sonship through Jesus Christ. So we've been adopted. We've been brought into the family. I'll talk more about that in a few moments. In accordance with his pleasure and will. God wants to do these things. God wants to love us. God wants to be involved in our lives. I was was thinking of the desires of God. A passage came to my my mind, 2 Peter 3.9. Speaking of God, it says that God does not want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the heart of God. That God is a God that, that pursues us with love, seeks to embrace us with love, seeks to, to show us again and again that God is a God of love, that God is for us and not against us, as we sang 
just a few moments ago. The next verse, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, by the spirit we cry, Abba, which is a term of endearment. It's like daddy, papa. Abba, father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. That one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has some great roles. One, one is to pray on our behalf, which it talks about a little later in, um, in Romans 8. When we don't have words, when all we have is sighs or groans or tears, the Holy Spirit takes those and communicates them to the heart of God. But here's another thing the Holy Spirit does. It tells us, it reminds us that we are children of God. This is an identity piece. We are in the world, but not of the world. That we have a different parent. We have a different way of living. We have, we have different things that are true of us because of who our parent is, who God is. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of that, that we are children of God. And we need to remember that and remind, remember it for ourselves, but also remind each other about that. Because that is a fantastic truth. Because it, it dictates how we live life. Now, the last two passages have used the word sonship. And I'm not a fan of referring to God only as male for a couple of reasons. Not only because it's inaccurate, which it is because God is spirit, but also because they've seen the damage that it has done and is doing in the souls of many women that I journey with. But I kept sonship in this because Jesus could only use the word sonship because no one, sadly, in a patriarchal society, no one would want to be a daughter because a daughter had no standing. A daughter had no rights. A woman could not testify in court. That's why it's so incredible that Jesus first appears to women because it didn't make any sense culturally. But again, thankfully, God, Jesus didn't make a whole lot of sense culturally. That's why he died on the cross or was killed on the cross by those in power. But sonship is not saying, it's not about maleness. It's saying that if you are the son of God, as Jesus is called the son of God, but if we're in sonship, adopted into sonship, then the characteristics that are true of God are true of us. So it's saying that you bear the marks of your father, your parent. That's what it means, sonship. And all the rights that that. Are, that are accrued to the male in that society are yours, male or female. That's why Paul goes to great lengths to say there is no Hebrew, there is no Greek, there is no uh, slave, there is no free man, there is no male, there is no female. We're all in Christ. And all that Christ has is for all of us, not just the males in the room, but all of us. And that is what, what these two passages are reminding us of that all that God has is ours because we have been adopted into the family. Okay, next verse. See what great love God has lavished on us, which that word was in the song. You don't hear that much, so you get to hear it a few times today. See what great love God has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. I'm just gonna stop right there. The word lavish is a superabundance. It's, it's not just... 
a dollop of something. It's an overwhelming amount. Like I had a friend of mine who worked at Coco's, so I would, I would, hot, I would order hot chocolate. And she would bring me hot chocolate, but you couldn't find the cup because of the whipped cream. Because hot chocolate is just a delivery vessel for whipped cream. <laughs> but that's the picture of lavished. That's, that's God's love for us. It's not just like, oh, I love you, Greg. It's like, I love you, Greg. I really, really, really love you, Greg. And it's sort of embarrassing. You know, it's like when Andy comes up and hugs people in front of the service, like, eee. But you know, he means well. Well, that's sort of like God. God's so head and heels in love with us, he just can't help himself. God loves us in a lavish way. And you can catch the, the spirit of, of what's happening as, as John writes this, as you read the passage. It says, it's just John's writing. He says, see what great love God has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. But it's that we should be called children of God. There's like, wow. That's who we are. It's not a, I'm a child of God. It's like, whoa, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the creator of heaven and earth. I'm a child of, of a God who loves me and I cannot be, ever be separated by that love. A God who has written history, the future for us, and it is filled with hope that helps us live today. God has lavished his love upon us. Next passage. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And we'll come back to that in a moment as well. Because I want to unpack that a little. But children naturally, especially as they're younger, imitate their parents. <laughs> Good and bad as many of us know. But they're looking at us. Why? Because they love us. Because they trust us. So they're going to want to, to be like us. So this brings us to childlike versus childish. So what are some characteristics of childlikeness? This is the interactive portion of our... Curious. Oh yeah, very good. Curious? Spirited. Spirited. Some more than others, but yes. Free. Free? Yeah, often, yeah, they can just, you know, who wants to dance? They all raise their hands. They're all like, I can dance. Who wants to paint this or do this? I can do it. In their own world. In their own world. They're not impacted a lot as they get older. They're more and more aware of it, but by those around them in a negative sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah sometimes too honest. One time we were at this, this church barbecue. It's the first church picnic. It was the church first thing that we have done. I'd become a youth pastor at the place. So first gathering of the whole church. And our youngest son was there with us. All of the children were there, but this is about our youngest son, Ricky. And the food is taking forever. Now, The Simpsons was pretty popular at that time. So we, my wife and I would watch The Simpsons. And so all of a sudden, we hear our son say... Where the hell is the food? <laughs> like, we don't talk that way. We don't ever say, you know, we're not people who say that. It's like, wait a second. That was just the beginning of the things he had memorized. But honest. I mean, yeah, he was hungry. Um, and he actually used it correctly, which was pretty amazing. 
So childlikeness, there's a freedom, there's an honesty, there's a curiosity. Um, there's a wonder. You know, kids are, wonder about things because they don't have the set categories any time, any, uh, with them. Like, as they open a banana, it could be anything. It's opening a present. It's a presence. It's like, what's in there? Oh, it's a banana. I like bananas. But there's a, there's a sense or there's a bug and they just watch it on the ground or there's something shiny. Or I was at the beach with my, one of my grandsons on, on Friday and he's, he's trying to pick up all the gold. Because, you know, sunny days, you can see all that sparkly, which is not exactly gold, but you know, it was just so cute to see him doing that. So, so, so childlikeness, there's a positivity to it. I would say there's trust, there's often gratitude, there's adventurous uh, spirit. You know, what do the kids do once they leave here? They go to that tree over there, unfortunately they've trimmed it, but before they trimmed it, they climb all over that thing. And they get pretty high. They're adventurous, they're going to try things. What does childish look like? What are some characteristics of childishness? Wow, that was fast. Pettiness. <laughs> okay, that's good. I'll get answer and a snort from, from Kim. Okay. Someone else. Selfish. Yeah, they can be very selfish. I was watching a, a video the other day, um, and it's parents would try to take, and this is like two or three years old. It's, it's not, they don't have to wait to learn to be selfish. And they were just trying to take something from their plates. And they would smack their hand or they would grab it. It's like, oh my goodness, these sweet little kids. But man, in that moment, hey, this is mine. They learn my pretty fast. What else? Can be very, can be impatient. Yeah, everything can be about them. Emotional, yes. Certain. Hmm? Yeah, combative. Yeah, especially have more than one of those things. Um, hmm? Closed-minded. Now are we still talking about childlikeness or adults? Or childishness or adults? Because those things, sadly, I can look at my life and say, yeah, those, those are some, some of those things are true of me. Like, when we go out to dinner... I'm not sharing food off my plate. I ordered it. It's mine. Like, you could have ordered that. Now, I'm more than, I'm more than fine taking food off their plates because caring is sharing. But, you know, there's a selfishness there. And so, so part of it is just, you know, and that's the beauty when God loves us. We can be open about these things. Like, yeah, these are some areas I struggle in. That I am childish rather than childlike. So the great thing with God is there's no condemnation. So like, all right, this is, this is who I most truly is, am. I'm holy and I'm blameless. I'm a child of God. That's my essence. Ontologically, that's really who I am because of the work that God's done transforming me and, trans, and continuing to transform me. So when I live this way, it's not really me who's doing it. Not my essence anymore. Yeah, I have responsibility, but in my heart of hearts, that's not who I am. And that's what, one of the great things about being a child of God is owning that. You know, Dallas Willard, one time, he was speaking to a group. And he asked the group, it was just a Bible study he was leading at his church. And he asked the group, how many of you are, and you don't need to raise your hands. Um, he asked this question, how many of you are going to sin, sin today? 
or tomorrow, I guess it was that night, tomorrow. Every hand shot up, like, oh, I, I know that answer. And his response was, isn't that sad? Because we are comfortable with the truth that, hey, I'm going to sin tomorrow. But that's not who we are. Will we sin tomorrow? Yeah. He who says they're without sin is a liar. But why is that our expectation? Why are we amazed when we don't flip off the person in the freeway who cuts us off? Like, why is that a miraculous thing? But that's how, man, I can't wait to get to Bible study, share that. Yeah, this idiot passed me on the freeway and did all this, and I didn't flip him off. And then we all bow down and call that guy blessed. It's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing, Greg, um, <laughs> that you were able not to do that. But I think we've got that backwards. That we should be surprised when we sense, like, oh, wow, where'd that come from? Not about condemnation, just like, that's not who I am. Why am I not grounded in Christ right now? Why was I, why, why did I give in to that? And again, not about condemnation, but about love. And as we're honest with those kinds of things, sort of reminds me of that passage in James as we confess our sins just to ourselves, start with, like, oh. And then invite God into that as a God of love. So childish, childlike. Okay, let's look at these words, adopted. When I found out I was adopted as a Christian, it was very powerful to me because I am adopted as a regular person. Like, my parents adopted me. Now, now my story about adoption, my parents were great, took care of me and all those kinds of things. But I never felt seen, I never felt known, I never felt that they got me. Because I'm sort of a unique bird. And even to this day, it's like, eh. But when I found out that I was adopted, and this was around end of high school, as I, when I became a Christian, it's like, I'm adopted by the person who created me. The person who knows me better than anyone else. The person who loves me, the person who's in my corner regardless. This, the person who knows, you know, back to that verse in, about the Holy Spirit, knows the things that I can't even articulate because that's what the Holy Spirit does. And that became a great truth for me. And we're adopted. And when we're adopted, it means we're part of a larger family. Not just this church family, but a family that encompasses the world. And not just a family that encompasses the world now, but a family that goes back and encompasses all of time, both back and forward. And we're part of a larger story. It's not just a story of my family and my heritage, but it's a story of Christian life. It's a story of Jesus, my brother, and the disciples, my brothers, and Mary and Martha, my sisters. It's their story is my story. And we're part of this, this bigger thing. And when we're part of a bigger thing, it's easier to say it's not about me. Because the narrative is certainly not about me. But I'm an important part of that narrative. Okay, we have adopted, we have loved. And again, those songs are so great. If we, maybe we should sing those every week for a while. Because it's just a reminder. That's what we need to remember. We're loved. Because if I'm loved as I am, then I don't need anything from anyone else. And when I'm loved, I'm free to love. See, if, if I'm not convinced that I'm loved by God... And I'm, I'm good with who, who God created me to be, even though I'm still becoming more, more of who God's called and created me to be. 
then I can actually love others. Because my interactions are not transactions. I don't need anything from Claire. I can just say something positive or encouraging or whatever, not expecting anything in return, not even needing anything in return. And also, if she tends, as she tends to do from time to time, slaps me, then I can turn the other cheek. Because, all right, that's okay too. Because it's not about that. I'm just sharing what I believe needs to be shared. And I don't need anything coming back from her. Now, there can be, and that's fine. That's great. But I don't need that because I am loved in God. And I'm loved in the fellowship of the Trinity. And I'm also loved in the church because that's the nature of the church. And to be able to embrace that and own that frees us to love without having to expect anything in return or needing anything in return, even more importantly. And what's so great about God's love is nothing I do can change God's love for me. Nothing that I've done, nothing that has been done to me, nothing that I will ever do can change the fact that God loves me unconditionally. And at any moment, God can't love me any more or any less than God is loving me right now. Because infinite love loves infinitely. And God not only loves me, but God loves loving me. And guess what? God likes me. Everyone say, God likes me. God likes me. Alicia, did you say it? <laughs> okay, now let's say it like we mean it. Okay. Now let's try it again like we really, really mean it. Go ahead. So we've got to say these. That's why we sing, you know, remember Matt, Max asked, why do we sing these songs over and over and over and over again? This is why. It says you need to hear something about seven times, and I'm, I'm going to stop at three, um, before you can, can begin to believe it's true. But God loves us. God loves loving us, and God actually likes us. Because God created you as you are. So you may not always like yourself, but guess what? God does. Because he predestined before creation that we would be holy and blameless, and that's what we are. Okay, the next word is imitates. So my mom made a shirt for me and my dad, same exact shirt. Same, not the same size, but the same shirt. And so whenever we would go anywhere as a family, what I would do is I would wait to get dressed until my dad got dressed. And I would just sort of look around and see, did he choose that shirt that I have one of? And if he did, guess what? That's the shirt I wore. If he didn't, then I wore another shirt. That's what children do. They imitate those that they love. And that's what, what Ephesians calls us to do, to be imitators of God as beloved children. Because we are beloved children. God loves us, and we know we're loved by God, and we tend to want to be like those who love us. And it's interesting, if you look at Luke chapter 6, the end of it, it says, to be merciful or be compassionate as your father is compassionate. And it also says in Matthew 5, 9, that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Jesus says this in John 5, 19. I look and I see what the Father's doing, that's what I do. And Jesus lived that way, we're to live that way too. And two of the things that we know about God is 
God is compassionate and God is a peacemaker. So as we seek to imitate God, those are two things to look at in our own lives. Am I being compassionate, which means to suffer with? Actually, the Greek word spalagna, which means this heart or this gut-wrenching emotion that wells up in love for somebody. Does that, is that me? Am I a peacemaker? Not a peacekeeper. A lot of people are peacekeepers. But a maker of peace, which is very, very different. Because Jesus, who is a peacemaker, also says of him, he came not to bring peace, but with a sword, to bring division. But then he says in John 14, I think 26, the peace I give you is different than the world gives. So as we're a peacemaker, as we're imitating God in that way, learning what that means, what's the invitation in that? So we're adopted, we're loved, we're to imitate God. And I want, I want to look at one more passage. It's a paraphrase of a passage we looked at earlier. And it says this, this res- resurrection life you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. And I love this next part. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Isn't that great? It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a, what's, with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. Of course, that's children of God. But that, that attitude, that of, again, this is that childlike attitude of an adventurous spirit, of curiosity, of wonder. What's next, Papa? What are we, what are we gonna do? On Father's Day, all our, all our kids and grandkids were at our house. And one of the kids came up to me and said, Pop, when's, advent, when's cousin camp? Because last year I did cousin camp. This year we're going to do cousin camp. But he's so excited. When's cousin's camp? Well, it's in a couple weeks. But there's this expectation, like, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazing. And it will be. Because they're going to bring childlikeness into that room. And for five days without parents, it's very helpful, um, we're going to have a great old time. But they're already expecting that. You know, I already ordered the t-shirts. So we're ready to go. So, I want to invite us into a whole-bodied, childlike experience. I want to tell a story first. So, I know a lot of people, so I go to a lot of weddings. And I never really danced at weddings. Why? Because I was childish, not childlike. I was like, what are people going to think? And then I, I saw Seinfeld and Elaine had this crazy dance move and everyone made fun of her. I go, that could be me. That could be me. Because she was, at least she was trying, having a good time. And then eventually I, I decided, I'm just going to dance at weddings. Like, who cares? God loves me. That's what matters. If anyone's looking at me, what, what is their problem? Like, me? Really? And I had suddenly had great times at weddings. Like, I'd stay longer. Because there was a freedom to, to just dance. And so that's what we're going to do now. So everyone stand up. Everyone. And this will be our last thing. And I asked Andy what a good song was. Yeah, he had a whole list of them. But I chose one. And let's make sure I got this connected. Oh, and this, this song is great because it talks about um, 
a second. It talks about just move your body, um, just move your left foot, doing this together. Um, oh, we can do this together, so that's what we're going to do. And there's some la-la-las and pa-pa-pas in it too. So very catchy. So here we, here we go. Okay. Start. Okay, if you see someone not dancing, go dance next to them. Two minutes and 56 seconds. That's a long time, huh? <laughs> yeah. Woo! Bernardo. Usually I've had at least like one beer by Oh yeah, that's true, that helps. I should have should have had communion. <laughs> On Father's Day, we're sitting around, and we're sitting around, and we're just, uh, everyone's on the chairs and stuff, and then Leo is the youngest, and we said, Leo, because um, all the cousins were there, they hadn't been together for a while, show them, show them your, dan- your new dance moves. So he got up, and he just started dancing, and everyone, all of us were going, Leo, Leo, all the adults, and all the kids. So then when he was done, guess what? Next kid did it. The next kid did it. And eventually, the 14-year-old did it. He did the worm. Because <laughs> even he still has his childlikeness in, which is amazing. And it's not always there, often childish. Um, but it's just fun to see that, that freedom. And as we own who we are, that we're adopted, that we're loved, we are going to have freedom to love. And we're going to imitate our Father, our Mother in Heaven, the triune God. We're going to show compassion. We're going to to show um, and be peacemakers. So here's the next steps. All right. 
reflect on your day using these prompts. So this next week, as you, at the end of the day, at dinner or whatever, when you're going to bed, when was I living in a childlike way? When was I living in a childish way? Again, not about condemnation, just about awareness. You don't have to use all these, just you know, choose one that maybe works for you. When did I, when did I give myself to wonder? See, that's, that's so, the world is amazing. But we're not amazed by it anymore because we've been around for a while. We've had grandkids living with us for, what, five years now? Something like that. So we're on our second batch. The first batch, Bishop every so often would go outside and look and say, come back in the house, you guys got to see the sunset. Like, well, I've seen pretty many sunsets. But guess what? We all got up because to him it's like, wow, this is amazing. And he didn't do it once. Three days later, wow, you got to look at this sunset. That's the wonder. Can we bring that? And summer's a great season for wonder. There's so much great stuff that's available to us. Different fruits and and sensations and opportunities to, to enter into wonder. And when did I experience the freedom to be me? And when were you just able to be yourself? You know, not caring about what anyone else thought or if they were watching or not. And then a bonus step which of these truths do I need to hold on to as I seek to live Jesus today? That I'm adopted, that I'm loved, that I am to be a person of compassion and peace. Again, choose one of those. It's like, yeah, I wanna hang on to that. Because each of these will change the way you live life, the way you see life, the way you interact with yourself and interact with others. Let's pray and then we'll have the, sing the last song together. Hey, oh. <laughs> God, I thank you for a day that is really have, has been about love. A great reminder that we are loved, that you are our Heavenly Father. You are our parent that loves us, that dotes on us, that loves loving us, that likes us, and that nothing can change that. We thank you that we are part of a family called the church that goes back and forth and forward into time itself. And we are part of a larger story of redemption and reconciliation, a story of hope, of transformation. May we live in freedom. May we know the childlikeness that enables us to enjoy all that is ours in the kingdom of God. And may we be salt and light in the world we find ourselves living in. To your honor, to your glory, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.